Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. It was inevitable. Spoilers. Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Spoilers, spoilers. And, and our recap of Avengers Endgame. Spoilers. Yes, if you are here, you have clearly seen the movie, I hope. Right, Dave? If not, turn back now. That's right. Yeah, you have been fairly warned that there is there no turning back. Spoilers ahead, matey. Ah. Yeah, there will be no turning back beyond this point. You have better have seen the movie if you're going to keep on going and joining us for this special edition of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. My name is Joel Hoover. I'm Spoiler Dave. Ah. Yes, today he is Spoiler Dave, and he gave you fair warning several times. That's like that sign on the road that keeps coming up again and again and again, and yet you keep on driving. It's like in the movies when when a car will break through that sign that says danger cliff ahead or road goes out ahead. Yeah, you, this is a show that does do spoilers. We talk about it all the time, but we really wanted to be upfront with this because uh, spoilers between Game of Thrones episodes and MCU is all over the place. So we don't want to be that guy that's going to be in line at the theater. I can't believe that, and then ruin it for the next group. So you are officially warned. Yep. Spoilers lay ahead. Yeah, you've been put on notice after. What was maybe one of the biggest pop culture weekends of all time? Yes. I think history will look back at it as yes. Yeah. Not, and this is not about Game of Thrones. This is a movie no. show. We're talking Avengers here. But uh, between the newest episode and the big battle with Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame, these are two of the biggest this biggest show and the biggest movie, and it may go down in history's viewpoint as biggest of all time. After one weekend, it is already 18th biggest grossing movie of all time ever, not including inflation, but still uh, $1.2 billion and climbing, $350 million domestically and climbing, and a lot of people that saw it going to see it again. We'll talk about those numbers in a moment. It was a huge weekend if your name was Stark, that's for sure. <laughs> a lot of Starks, yeah. yeah. Before we get into all of that, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. And I tell you what, Dave, I've driven down Highway 2 next to the airport where the Bemidji Theater is located. I went there Thursday night to go see the movie. I've been by there a couple of times since. I wasn't here yesterday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, which is special for us um, and just goes to show how different this was. I went by there. Yes, uh, I did not go by there yesterday. I can only imagine how crazy it was on a Tuesday night with the five dollar movie nights they do there and how incredibly jam packed. I'm sure it was, but they've they've had a ton of business over the last couple of days. They've done a great job of getting everybody in 
to be able to see the movie, movie times out the wazoo. It, it's been great over at the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2. Great place to go catch a movie, including Avengers Endgame. And keep this in mind, online ticket sales, cectheaters.com. Uh, but with something like this, particularly opening weekend, the site crashed. I mean, that's what happens when Did giant, it. when big bands come to town, Ticketmaster crashes. When Avengers Endgame opens, the website will crash. So I had to go in. I went and saw it on a Saturday. And I had to go in like six hours early wow. to get tickets because I was getting word that they're selling out quick. And the only show that was left open was the last show, the 915. And they thought within the next 20 minutes it was going to sell out. And it did. Yeah, I bought my ticket on Wednesday for a Thursday night premiere show. And I was glad I did, especially now knowing that the site crashed and, and everything, which with so much traffic is pretty understandable but but in it, Bemidji Minnesota that's the kind of the funny thing when I got there to the theater though all end game tickets sold out was the sign that I saw like they posted like a printed out sign of it that's that's how crazy it was they've got the automated signs that they've got in there that tell you that it's sold out but they had to put up a a, a printed out sign as well just to let people know coming you in drive by in the car oh sold out they probably had that printed out a couple days in advance knowing it was coming so you know, and you got to think about the reality. If they're getting that many sold out shows, yeah, there's probably repeat viewers. But you also got to think about, well, it's been a, it's been about a week now. People have seen it. Maybe not. Maybe they're going to see it. They get in the car, not thinking it's going to sell out, and it does. It took me two weeks to see Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers because it kept selling out all the time, and yeah. I didn't have a chance to go early. I had a friend who he is not seeing the movie until I think Thursday. He lives in New Jersey. That's how far in advance pre-sold tickets had sold out for his local theater like that's how crazy it was and the numbers dave you mentioned them they're absolutely staggering oh, I, yeah. I mean there this is unprecedented territory the weekend actual was just over 357 million dollars in north america worldwide you said it 1.2 billion dollars in the opening weekend Endgame. It's the biggest opening ever of all time. I'm not not factoring in inflation, but even when you do, usually you don't get a movie open up everywhere in the world at pretty much the same day. I think China got a day jump start, something like that. Yeah. But it was, I mean, everywhere. It doesn't happen like this. Given, Maybe this is the start of the new thing, or it's just reflective of what this movie was. Given the hype and, and given... Given the fact that that this was truly going to be wrapping up a lot of things and the advertising and all of that, th- this movie is going to go on to smash even more records. Like oh, if yeah. it if it doesn't smash the all time raw number, I'm I'm going to be shocked. Like the adjusted for inflation stuff, that's another story. But for the raw numbers, I mean, this is just staggeringly incredible. Well, let me give you, let's give you a little perspective here. I remember, let's go back, say, 20 years when Independence Day came out. Man, this is a movie that's going gangbusters, which it was. It was a big thing. This could be bigger than Star Wars. Uh, 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 uh. Now, keep in mind, that came out a couple years before the prequel trilogy. So at that point, there was just the trilogy. But it now, 20 years later, it hasn't quite held up. I mean, the movie is fine. It's a great movie. I still like putting it in. But it's not the same thing. Some people have a problem with the newer kids taking over the party, so to speak. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, not just Avengers Endgame, but the franchise itself, which has only really been going for 11 years officially on screen, uh, kicking off in 2008 with Iron Man. Um, it's, it's amongst those leagues. 
it's it's going to go up against James Bond, who's just getting started on the 25th movie, by the way. Marvel is up to, what, 22 now? And that only took him, you know, 11 years. Bond's been going almost 60. So the box office totals put it in that group. This movie alone, and we're talking rivaling the biggest movies slash franchises, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, James Bond, you name it. You come up with it. It's there, and legitimately so. Not just box office, but reviews. Not any one of these movies has dropped the ball. You can't say that about Star Wars or James Bond or The Matrix. It's it's really, really, really legitimately something. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Independence Day, it was like the original summer blockbuster. That movie was. But and, Oh, it goes and, further back than that. Jaws is the first for real summer blockbuster. Okay, that's... Not no. Contest. That's a fair point. It it was. I guess you could say it was a marker in terms of summer blockbusters. It, like, it was. It was a high water mark. Yeah, it was a marker. But yeah, I I think you're right. Jaws definitely. Jaws changed. Set the that's tone. a whole other topic. Yeah. But but Jaws changed everything. Yeah. All right. So reviews. Let's get let's get to our reviews. Dave, what did you think? I really really liked it. It was really really good. It wasn't some three hour long battle scene because I think everyone. Last chance, spoilers, <laughs> and three, two, one, okay, now you're on board. You know, everyone went into the movie that I talked to, including myself, that, okay, well, they're going to find Thanos, and they're going to beat him up, and this time they'll have some extra tool in their belt, and they'll get him. Well, yeah, that was the first 20 minutes, you know, which threw everybody for a loop, and they kill him in the first 20 minutes. Like, what? Huh? What? You don't see where this movie is going to go. You're not thinking time travel, because they really kept everything under wraps, but the way that it was done and the action, I mean, there, obviously there was action to it, yes, especially at the end. But there was less action than you would think because not only is this an 11-year story, you have so many character arcs that have got to come to some sort of, a, if not a conclusion, a turning point, a big turning point. And that takes time. That takes time away from battle scenes to give people a story that means something. So there was... The only exposition that was in the whole movie meant something, but it worked. I remember there was a couple of really hardcore fangirls sitting right behind me in the theater, and they were whispering to themselves, and which actually kind of enunciated and enhanced the experience. Oh, I, I hope that I, oh, this is going to make me cry. Oh, the, you know that kind of thing, and uh, it, it really carried. It really delivered. It really, really did. I very much liked it. Every franchise that is going to come to some sort of a pinnacle. I'm looking at you, episode nine. You ought to be looking at this movie because this is how you end or come to some sort of a turn, a franchise, however you want to label that. I tweeted this out and I posted it on Facebook. And we have talked about this before here on Rick and Nick. I have maybe as much superhero franchise fatigue as anybody, especially when it comes to Marvel. And we talked post-Infinity War about the way that that movie went. And I expressed a lot of disappointment about the way that that movie ended because promotionally, they talked like it'd be an ending. They they did. They flat out talked like it'd be an ending. I know people looked at the Marvel calendar and said, hey, there's an untitled movie that is out there drifting in space. And I was like, well, they're, they're promoting this like this is going to be an end. Ten years, all of this. This is the culmination. What do we get? We get a cliffhanger. And we get a cliffhanger where... A large chunk of the characters are gone. And I left misrepresented cliffhanger. That's what really made it sore spot. And I left the theater with a profound sense of disappointment at that. I was like, that's it. Next movie, and then I'm out. 
because this is extremely tiring and frustrating going through all these movies. But the longer Endgame went on, the more I thought to myself it was worth it. And that the journey, the 11 years worth of movies to get to this point with this movie was worth it. With bringing back the original Avenger crew and and a couple of others pieced in there as well. Scott Lang's importance to the movie was huge. Ant-Man. Nebula, who we'll get to later. Really important character as well. And it culminated a lot of things so incredibly well. It was it 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 had the the humor as it typically does, but there was a emotional toll that was there in the movie. There were surprises. The time jump was very surprising. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, like you said, Dave, there at the beginning, you think, hey, they they're gonna get him right away. It can't be that simple. It'll be you thought you think it's gonna be a straightforward movie. And yeah, it isn't. But and then you're thinking, there's three hours going on here. What's gonna be the deal? But then you start to get into the complexities. And, and there were so many stories that were so well finished, and we'll talk about those here pretty shortly, but I left thinking it was just fantastic. It, it was a great movie. It left you even a little emotional in some ways. Oh, I heard people openly weep. Yeah, it was, it, it was great. It really, really terrific finish to it. I, I thought it was as good as you could have asked for, for wrapping up some stories while also leaving some other threads open. But if you want to wrap up stories, I mean, they didn't even have a post-credit scene or a mid-credit scene, which I thought was a great touch and and a great way to wrap up this phase of the Avengers and an unforgettable period in movie history. And especially for superhero and comic book fans, this was a terrific way to wrap it up in some respects for them. You know, is is oh, no, I'm, I'm at no shortage of words or thoughts about what to put with this movie, and I, this is an example of just how good a movie it was. I have only one critique, and it's a dumb little nitpicky critique. Well, the opening credits, which is basically just the title, that's all it is, they don't do credits these days anymore, it's just boom, title. They felt like somebody put them together on an iMac. It just, it lacked. It wasn't very dynamic, not just the visuals, but the score, too. It threw, it felt like it was kind of thrown together. Go watch the first Avengers movie. Boy, when that thing hit and the title pops up, you're like, oh, my gosh, here we go. This one was like, oh, and and here's the title of the movie. Okay, now to the next scene. It, it was lacked. regal in the first one, yeah. Well, it, it, it had a dynamic quality to it. I mean, with that X Factor, however you want to describe it, it was lacking here. And that's, you know, with a movie with all this hype and it's finally coming to this and $1.2 billion in sales, was how the title seemed to be unrolled on the screen. Yeah. That's kind of my only criticism, to tell you the truth. And that's nitpicky stuff, but it is what it is. Here's the other thing that really sticks with me. The, you know, three-hour running time, and you know it going in, so pee first before you go in. There's your, your <laughs> help you with your spoiler. Um of course, if you're listening to this, you've already seen it, so you already know that you had a problem with the bladder one hour in to go in the movie. Um, you know, you see all these other movies that'll come out, and they they start talking about franchise fatigue, and well, we've done so much, and well, it was a three hour movie. There's always excuses as to why a movie underperforms. There was every reason in the world that the MCU was going to fall apart or implode. Maybe following, look at fan backlash from Star Wars. They didn't like the Last Jedi, so Solo tanked. Not that it wasn't a good movie. Fans revolted. How come fans 
didn't revolt after the cliffhanger letdown of Avengers Infinity War. Not just that it was a cliffhanger, but it was presented as, this is the one we've been waiting for. Oh, wait, no, not really, because there's going to be another one coming. That norked people off. But people didn't revolt. How come? Because the movie, while it kind of misrepresented, it delivered. Infinity War was still a good movie. It was. It, it was delivered. Good. Captain Marvel did good. Ant-Man and the Wasp did good. Those were the two Marvel movies in between the two Avengers movies. And then this one delivered. You they know, had it, faith. They had they, faith. They believed that there was going to be some payoff, and they got it with the way Endgame finished. But not only that, the fan makers knew how to do this. They didn't just sever... They didn't decide to make each movie an island unto itself. Pardon me. They knew what they were doing and how to do it and how to deliver it. And you cannot say the same about any other movie franchise because they have their peaks and their valleys, their ups and their downs, and they're kind of stark. You know, um, MCU boy, Kevin Feige, it just tells you you need a showrunner that has an overall plan that knows what's going to happen, and it that all has to piece together. Very much, do your own tone, do your own movie, but this is the overall structure. You have to stay in this neighborhood. I think you nailed it, Dave. That that speaks volumes to the plan that they had in mind. They they clearly put together a well-structured plan with this this 11-year phase that they had. From the beginning, they, they structured it all so well, from the first Iron Man all the way to here. They threaded things together so well on the fly. They got great directors to come along, including the Russos, who've done several movies along the way, who would be able to come in and help piece this together and now bring it to a fitting conclusion. So let's dive into some of the details a little bit, starting with you, some of your takes on particular elements, let's just call it that, from the movie. What what grabbed you? What resonated with well, you? Well, do you want to start from the end? With, sure. With the big, one of the major, major plot pieces of the, the story, and that was the death of Tony Stark, Iron Man, as he put on the Infinity Gauntlet. And we had seen this alluded to throughout the movie about... Um, about what happens when you put the gauntlet on. I mean, it almost killed Thanos just doing that in the last movie too, just so he could wipe out half the Earth and then go into retirement. And then that left him in a crippled state at the beginning of the movie and allowed for Thor to disembody him, basically, um, or behead him, basically. And then um, and then, Cap- and then several other people are trying to do it. Hulk later on in the movie. And then it comes to Iron Man, and he finally is the one who is able to to wipe out the armies of of Thanos, but at the cost of his life. Um, And in pretty emotional circumstances there at the end with Pepper Potts, who had joined the fight and was there. And, you know, in many ways, when you look back on the movie and when you look back on the story of Iron Man over the years, Dave, there were a couple of things that came to mind. Number one, if there was any character who had cheated death on multiple occasions throughout the the course of his time and run in the MCU... More than anybody, maybe, it was Tony Stark yeah. as Iron Man. He had he had done it so many times in the past, even just being in space, and then on came Marvel, Captain Marvel, to to come and, and get him out of there, him and Nebula, as they were chilling there playing uh, finger football, um, kicking extra points with each other. So um, he had cheated death many times. And also, the second thing was, there if there was anybody who had a lot to lose... By going back, it was it was Tony Stark because five years down the line when they did that time jump, everybody had lost something or someone except for Tony, who's living now in a cabin in in solitude with Pepper Potts, now his wife, and their daughter. Their their daughter 
They've got the dream. They they had the dream even while everybody else lost so much. There was still so much there for Tony. But you know what? He discovers a way to be able to... He discovers the missing piece and how to figure out time travel. And he's drawn back in to, to make it right. Even though he said he just wanted to take that and throw that into the lake when he and Pepper were talking about it. He had everything to lose after everybody else had lost and was trying to get it back. But the sweet sorrow is everything he wanted, he was afraid to lose, stayed. They just lost him. That's right. But at the same time, it it was a great completion of his character arc and his story yeah. arc because, you know, he during the course of the movie, one of the one of the great I thought one of the great moments during the middle of the movie was when they are seeking out the Infinity Stones and he and Captain America and we'll talk about those two in a little bit. They go back and and they get it from ni- the nineteen seventies from that military base, including Tony talking with his father, Howard Stark. That was and, a very resonant scene. And discussing Tony's impending birth, funny enough, um, and, and discussing, and Tony talks a little bit about Howard without saying, you know, that you are my dad. And it, it was a great discussion that they had with each other. And it, it all set up for Tony to make the sacrifice that he did and to be the guy who ultimately would go. But it brought such a great end to his character arc. And, and what a tip of the cap to Robert Downey Jr. for... Being the guy who's been at the center of this from the beginning with the MCU, and and he gave a great performance. You know, you are rewarded watching this movie if you've seen all the 20-whatever leading up to it. Between Howard and Tony meeting for the first time, because they never really... Obviously, they'd met, obviously, but I mean, then Howard passes away and Tony moves forward. And, you know, you kind of come to a catharsis when you finally get to have that... You have, of course, the big reveal at the end. Captain America finally gets back together with Peggy, and they live out their oh, life in man. time. Um, Can we get into that here? We, we will. We'll get, yeah. we'll get to that. But the other question about that is, did he just go back in time, or did he open up another universe? That's something that the Russos have kind of alluded to. Um, but there's so much of illusion, and a lot of characters that meet their fate. Some we already saw, but you know, all bets were off when half of the world disappears. Well, they'll come back. Loki doesn't come back. Vision doesn't come back. You know, those two are are gone. But of course, we do lose um I almost said Scarlet Witch, but that's not the one. Black Widow, um you know, she makes it about a little over halfway through the movie and then she's gone, which funny enough didn't resonate emotionally with me as much as Tony Stark. For some reason, I'm thinking, well, she'll be back. And then you find out no, she really isn't coming back. Oh, so it kind of, I don't know. We'll put that on the back burner because, yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, well, there's, we'll there's, there's a future coming here, but uh, we'll see what happens. So what resonated with you then? A lot of those payoff moments. You know, it's nice to have yeah. a story. It felt kind of like Back to the Future 2, where they go back to the first movie in the second movie. Yeah, how great was that? And there was a lot callbacks of, to past movies. Yeah, and that is something really good. What One of the true hallmarks of, say, a trilogy is, is that it's truly one story being told in numerous parts. In this case, obviously much more than a trilogy. Um, but, it, you know, something from the original movie has something to do with the end of the movie, you know? And so you start running into that, in a way, in this movie. It's part 22. It had something to do with part one all along. You know, it just it had something interesting about that, whether that was the plan from the get-go or as they figured it out from phase to phase, or this has got to tie into that thing. Oh, that'd be a really smart way. That was... Well, well done. It's good storytelling. Let me say that again. 
It's good storytelling. It allows the mechanics of what makes a story work to work. There's a formula to what makes storytelling work. You can bend them a little bit. You can even break a couple. But if you start going right through it, mowing through like grass, it doesn't work anymore because you've bent too many of the rules. Literacy works for reasons, or literature, I should say, works for reasons because it works on a foundation. When you do your own thing, that's why Last Jedi didn't do so well. You know, it just it just disregarded what came before. Eh, we're going to do our own thing. If the MCU had done that at any point, Endgame wouldn't come off the way that it did, which is why Rise of Skywalker won't be quite the conclusion that it, it could have been because it kind of violated some rules along the way. It MCU has. didn't, and now look what they're reaping. Steve Rogers, Captain America. Peggy. There was thought that he was going to be the one to go. If there was going to be somebody to give his life for the cause, it, it would have to be him, right? He's been the guy who's who's just kind of taken one for the team on many occasions, and he's he thinks of the greater good, which is why making it Tony Stark was, was such a neat, in its own way, twist on things because it was the completion of his arc into the it's not about me, it's for the good of all kind of story. Meanwhile, for, for Steve Rogers, the guy who's, who's been out of place and really out of his own time for so long, he got some sweet payoff as well. Um, and, and you could still see allusions to his, his longing for Peggy with you know everybody losing something. That reminded him of what he lost with coming into the modern day. Um, and then he goes back in time to the 70s there with Tony, and, and he sees you know Peggy becoming a director now and... and that brief moment in her office and then seeing her as well for that little bit too. He, he got that moment, but then he got some great moments in other ways as well. How about him using Thor's hammer and then Thor going, I knew it with his ability to be able to wield the hammer. I mean, that was such a great battle with the three of them and yeah, we're getting to Thor. Um, the three of them being able to battle Thanos and he's using the hammer and, and everything. And then his payoff that he gets is being able to go back in time. They go back to... He was dropping off one of the stones, right? He was putting it back in its place, and then he takes a he takes a little uh, detour on the way and uses, uses come back, another but... ability to travel to go back and be reunited with Peggy Carter, his love. And then, he, and then when they try to bring him back, there he is sitting there, and he's about 100 years old, but he's... And you see the ring on his on his left hand and you know that he got that life and then oh my gosh it I was listening to Harry James it's been a long long time on the ride home and it was that that was emotional seeing seeing the two of them get that dance together that has been talked about since the since Captain America the first Avenger say that what dance a, for me what a sweet payoff that was that was a beautiful beautiful way to end the movie there was amazing how there were so many teasers to the movie I think a lot of people knew somebody wasn't going to make it all the way well okay we lost Black Widow that's our loss okay everyone else will make it well what about Captain America and you get to a point where you're thinking this is going to be it we're about to see Cap go down only to see the cavalry come over the hill. And then it's about, well, who's going to get this gauntlet? Somebody's going to get it. And just about every major Avenger gets their hands on it at some point. Spidey's got it. Oh, my God, it's going to be Spidey that's going to do No, no, no. It gets getting passed like a football from good side to bad side. And then finally you get Stark with it and with a great, I'm Iron Man. Boom. And it was a great moment. But then at that moment, as soon as you're like, yeah. Oh, no. 
You know, it hits you because but, the toll was was heavy for having to do that. Yeah, it's it, it the way the teases worked out was spectacular, and they didn't feel like false finishes. It felt like this is going to be the real deal, only to have something subvert what it, where the things are going. Oh, this guy, you three thousand. Yeah, yeah, and it just everything about it was spectacularly done, and some of the nuances were those payoffs. Uh, I, I can't I can't give enough good praise to this movie. I really can't. While I don't think it's, you know, art necessarily, it's a great lesson in storytelling. And the one thing that a lot of writers forget about is the ending. You need an ending. It has to have an ending. You have to be every part of the journey. Tony Stark actually says this in the movie. Part of every journey includes the end. You have to have an end. This literally had an end game in sight. Whether it was as mapped out far in advance as they might want you to believe or they just figured it out on the way was fine. But at least they had one. And you can look at a lot of different franchises and movies that have a quite a, even a one-off movie that don't quite have the ending that exists in the first place that is satisfying in the second place. This had it all. And it, it was a great lesson. If you're thinking about screenwriting and storytelling, watch these, all of them, including Endgame, because this shows you how to begin it, how to bridge it, how to end it. Yeah. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Great place to catch a movie, including the Avengers Endgame, if you want to go back again. Which, again, hopefully you're going back to see it again, because that's why you're listening to this yeah. episode, is because you've already seen it. So so we talked, we've talked about the ending here, but you know, it's not an ending, really. It's a turning of the corner. There will be more Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's already a Spider-Man movie coming out this summer, which Kevin Feige said, well, that'll actually be the last movie of this third phase. Officially, which, yeah. Officially. I'm like, I don't know. It probably has some follow-up from, Well, we've you know, jumped forward five years in time, and yet he's still in school, so... Yeah. I guess everyone had to go back to school because they lost time. Well, I know, so. I, maybe he he skipped a couple years. Who knows? Yeah, but it was you know it, it's going to be what it's going to be. So between the fourth season or fourth phase, rather, there will most likely at some point be a fifth Avengers movie down the road. There they've got some plans in place already for what's going to come. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. Um, both uh, with on TV slash streaming and big screen. Um, and that brings the next question, though, that you have to ask here, and I think at this junction in point, is at what point does the fatigue kick in? Even the greatest things in the world, even while they're fantastic, making out with a hot gal is great. But after a while, your lips are sore, you need a break, you know, you need you need time away from it. At what point does that happen well, that's, with the cinematic universe? That's a great question, Dave, because I thought that we had already reached that point. This movie and the, and the business, it's done. Is clearly proven that we have not reached that point. But look at the endings we did get in this movie with some of the original characters. So I wonder if that will maybe play a factor in in having Marvel take a bit of a hit. Although again, they they've made such great business on and done such a great job with this movie, and it makes me wonder then with some of the other characters, you know. Black Panther has a huge following. Captain Marvel has a huge following. The Guardians of the Galaxy have a huge following. They are presumably going to have more to their stories, and, and we'll dig into that more later. I think there's going to be some more juice that's going to be there. Again, I, I don't want to prognosticate about this because I was wrong anyway in thinking about what's going to happen with the franchise fatigue of of Marvel anyway. Maybe it's not for us to to really speculate on it. Maybe it's for us to just sit back and go, let's watch it play out, and maybe then we can pick a moment where 
this is where it's maybe starting to to be there in terms of fatigue. Does that sound? Fair? Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but part of where my th- and I'm not waiting for the downfall either. I'm just saying this is the way of things. I mean, it, it doesn't is. it doesn't matter what you're looking at. Everything at some point you kind of have a little fatigue for it, whether yeah. it's movie franchises or NFL viewership. I mean, everything at some point has its peaks and its valleys. So let's say phase four is going to start a whole new 11-year cycle or whatever it'll turn out to be to, you know, 11 years from now, there's Avengers Endgame 2, you know, whatever you want to call it. And um, will fans abandon ship midway through? Not because it's a bad ride, just because, oh, yeah, I, I, I can't. You know, after 12 sunny, hot days in a row, you need a cloudy, rainy day. The lawn is parched. You're getting too much sun. You know, I'd rather sit in the basement and watch a movie than go out in the beautiful, sunny sky again. I mean, it happens. So at what point does that happen here, and will that affect whatever you want to call it, Endgame Part 2, 11 years from now, and that comes, will that next phase, will it launch the way this last one did? Will it come into a conclusion the way that this one has? Well, Marvel's been so prolific in not only making movies that a lot of people come to see, but also making critically well-received movies, Good too. Good movies, yeah. So that's going to be a challenge as well, is being able to try to keep that flow going and keep that rolling. But right now, I, I just I almost kind of want to revel in the job that was done here on Endgame. And I, I'm sure we'll, we've got a lot of future stuff to get into as well, but... It almost it almost makes you go. Let's just revel in this moment, you know, and and how good this was, and how many people have seen this. And yeah. On that note, I've got a couple of other subplots slash other other major headlines from the movie. I want to talk about Black Widow and yep. really dig more into that. I want to talk about Hulk and the time travel discussion that he had when he talked with um when he talked with the Ancient One. And, and discuss that a little bit. And I want to talk about Nebula. Are there any others from the movie, like interesting plot points or things that you well, observed? there are subtle winks as to there may be more to this than meets the eye. Yeah. And the big one of that was Captain, before he gets back in time at the end of the movie, he and Bucky, I mean, they're, according to everybody that's standing at this platform, this is going to be a five-second trip as far as they're concerned. Captain may be a little longer, but for them it'll be five seconds. But Bucky gives him a longer, him and a miss you, man. It's like he knows something. He knows that he's not coming back. He kind of alluded to that. He knows that there's more to meet the eye. And since the movie's come out, the Russos who directed it, um, somebody asked him about it, and they kind of confirm, well, the question is, does he go back in time and just not come back forward except over the natural progression of time, which is why he's old at the end? But Captain America's still around. Did he start a whole new universe? Are there other Captain America episodes that could be coming in the past? Because he does go back in the past and doesn't come forward. So looking at time travel as the linear version, like Back to the Future, where now there's an alternate this. or Back is to it, the Future even came up and in the movie. A couple times. Uh, yeah. Or is it uh, quantum mechanics where there's you know any any choice you possibly can make you do make we're basically getting into the discussion that the hulk had professor hulk which i thought was a great touch yeah. get putting him into his perfect equilibrium which was like the opposite of thor and what happened to him as he went full on the dude um, <laughs> I even had a reference to that. What's up, Lebowski? Yeah. He looked like him. Yeah, he did. Ridiculous. Uh, funny so, enough, I saw he was walking into the Avengers headquarters, looked like the big Lebowski. He looked like the big Lebowski. And here comes Tony Stark. What's up, Lebowski? Let's yep. go! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that discussion that, that Professor Hulk had, or actually I guess that at this point it was Banner disembodied by the Ancient One, had 
um, in twenty in twenty twelve during the Avengers, all that happened there. The discussion that they had there was very interesting about the concept of time travel that this movie tried to play off. And did you think that that concept of time travel worked? That you can create a new future and a new um, from where you've come from, like with that divergent path, and yet you're not interrupting the flow of what is to come by doing so. Did that make sense? Yeah. That, that discussion that they had, what did you think of that and the I'm concept a... of time travel that this movie worked under i'm a sci-fi fan and there's generally two theories i guess of time travel that i just kind of alluded to there's the linear version which is the back to the future version you can go back in time and change the and change the past and then that has a ripple effect through future or that there is an infinite number of parallel dimensions and for example today on your way to work you got to a stop sign you took a left but there is a parallel universe where you took a right and everything that implies. So any possible choice you could possibly make in your life, are you going to order steak or chicken, white wine, red wine? In some fraction of the universe, you did. Whatever the choice was, you did. So there's an infinite parallel universe where every option that could have happened, happened. And sometimes that gets tied into with other sci-fi movies. I've seen some shows where, well, okay, this was one, but the Nazis won World War II. So now it's different, and the U.S. is invaded, and the Nazis are calling Like Man in the High Castle. Sure, you know, and that's interesting, and that's one of the things of time travel. So you're not so much altering the flow of time. You're jumping from one universe to another. The one that you're familiar with is just one of an infinite number. So you've jumped from one to another stream. The one that you were in originally... Star Trek is a good example. This prime timeline, it continues, but you go back in time, you start a whole other parallel universe. It's the same thing. So you've not changed time, you've just switched tracks. Yeah. It it also it avoids some of the issues that the X-Men have run into of how to, well does this nullify past movies and and past stories. This in some ways the time travel that they got into with this with this movie and with Ant-Man and the Wasp it doesn't necessarily completely strike the other movies that we have seen from from the record. They were they were part of the story. They still remain. Depends and yet on they, your understanding of time of temporal mechanics, I guess. Right. But yeah. And then they went back and they still influenced things. Like it was funny watching Captain America fight Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny seeing Robert Redford back again as the director, um, as the the Hydra and seeing the Hydra conspiracy there, even after they had won in the original Avengers movie. You real, see these things. Real quick sidebar. Robert Redford, yes, the man with the the old man and the gun, came out in the fall. It was proposed that that was going to be the last time we saw him on screen, and then he starts backing off those comments. And you and I kind of wondered aloud. I wonder if he backed off those comments because it truly is his last Robert Redford movie. But he knows he's going to have a quick pop up in the Avengers. I wonder if when past is becomes past, if this will be ultimately his final big screen appearance. In the Avengers, even though it was essentially an attachment to a previous character, and they're yeah. they're adding some more yeah. layers. Yeah, he's you know he's you know he's only on screen for what sixty seconds, but you know it's a cameo. It's a Robert Redford cameo. It makes sense because if you saw the Winter Soldier, you know where it came from. Yep, um, you're back in time. Basically, the events of what's leading up to that movie. But just kind of interesting. You also might have seen that just the layers of what is in this movie. You might have seen the last on-screen appearance of a Hollywood legend with Robert Redford, ultimately, maybe. So it, it was this, interesting to mention. This time, maybe, yeah. Yeah, interesting to mention. 
Let's talk Black Widow, because her death resonated especially with the characters in the movie. I mean, when they came back and realized that she hadn't made it back with, with Clint uh, Barton, that hit everybody pretty hard within the movie. And yet, I kept thinking to myself while watching her laying there like Gamora... Um, after she had been the one to sacrifice herself. I kept thinking... Well, Gamora came back. Yeah, Gamora did come back. There was a way. There was a loophole. And with Black Widow for the future, it, it just I didn't think that it was it for her. And yet, it was a great culmination of her story. And not yeah. only her story, but hers and Barton's together. Because what had Barton done before the Avengers? Uh, they, they discussed it in the Avengers. He had pulled her back from the abyss. I mean, she had been in a dark place in terms of her assassin work. And what happened to Barton after his family disappeared at the beginning of the movie? He went to a very dark place. And she, they, they always talked full about... circle. They always talked about evening the ledger, the two of them. She did that for him, pulling him back. And then the two of them have that moment where they have to decide who is going to be the one to sacrifice in order to get the stone um, and take it from Red Skull. And they, it was great watching their interaction because those two, those two embody what, what love in friendship looks like. And, and that, I mean, they, one of them was going to have to give up something that they loved, the other person, in order to get what they wanted. And it was a great telling of their story and how good of friends they were and supportive of each other. And yet they're fighting amongst each other, two super spies. To decide who is going to be the one to make the sacrifice, and then it ends up being Natasha, who ends up being the one who goes um, and does that, and Barton's the one who has to go back and tell everybody about it. And then he has that great moment with Scarlet Witch later on where they talk about who they've lost with her losing Vision and him losing uh, losing Natasha, losing Black Widow. But again, Dave, uh, knowing that there's going to be a movie, it just makes me think, because... Why would you kill a character like that and you're going to have a prequel movie then coming for her? One can assume. You yes, don't, you one don't, can assume. But you don't know. But but even still, even if it is a prequel movie, which everyone speculates it's going to be now, why would you kill a character and then you're going to go and you're going to have a prequel movie about said character? I think there's going to be more to it than that. I think there is going to be a future-slash-present element that will exist, even if it is a prequel about where she came from. I think that there's still more to come with the Black Widow character because she's popular, Scarlett Johansson is popular, and, I mean, the way that, that she was talking during the Endgame interviews before the movie was released with talking about just general topics, it doesn't feel like this is an ending for her. It really doesn't feel like this is the end of her story, even though they, even if it goes back to a prequel, I think there's a lot more to come. There's a couple different ways to look at this. Right now, we know they're going to start filming this Black Widow movie. They start filming in June here, so in about a month. Um, Look for it to come out probably next year, I would think. I don't know, but that's probably a good guess. Um, So there's a couple different ways to look at this. You can look at it from a character perspective. Well, why would you kill off a character and you're still a popular character? Let's turn to Star Trek real quick. They killed Spock in Star Trek 2. We did warn of spoilers at the beginning of this episode, I do believe. And they bring him back in the next one, The Search for Spock. They killed Kirk in Star Trek Generations, and he stays dead. Now, does does he come back? Or do you go to some sort of a reboot, go back in time like this Kelvin universe with you know Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto? You still have the characters, different actors, but you also get Nimoy back. It's just 
Is it going to be something along those lines? Is this going to be something set back in time? Some have speculated that it could be a search for Spock kind or of movie. is it going to be the loophole that got Gamora back? You know, she went off the cliff, too, at the hands of uh, Thanos, and she's back. So is there some sort of a loophole waiting for Scarlett Johansson? Or it also comes down to the actress. She said, I've really done a lot for this character. I would like to get a Black Widow movie, but everybody else is getting the movie as a standalone movie except for her. Well, now she's finally got it. Is this her payoff? Is this the end for Scarlett Johansson anyway? And so if you're going to resurrect the character and Johansson wants one more trip and then she's off, why resurrect the character if she's just going to do this one-off and then be gone? Or maybe it is a step back. And I'm only speculating. I don't know. But I mean, it's got to be one of the two, I would think. So it remains to be seen. And like a lot of the MCU movies, they tend to be keeping details like that under wraps. The fact that it's coming is one thing. But it also works well for the marketing of Endgame. Well, there's a Black Widow movie. Well, then you know that she's probably going to live through the movie, but she doesn't. You know Spider-Man's probably going to come back from that movie because there's a Spider-Man Far From Home coming up here this summer and yeah. Fourth of July weekend. So, yeah, he'll probably be coming back. And we know Black Panther's probably getting a sequel. So, by the yeah. way, what a great moment as, as Captain America is staring down the forces of Thanos and then emerging comes T'Challa and the rest of those from Wakanda. What a guy the whole theater got quiet. Yeah. And then I I said aloud, and I rarely, rarely do this in theaters, but I said aloud, let's go. And then there was like a yeah, yeah kind of buzz that started up in the theater. It was I it heard, was just a great moment of, oh man, here we go. This, I heard somebody big battle. Somebody in the theater, I don't know who it was, somebody a couple rows behind me. Oh my god. I hear this squeaky little, oh, you know, and everybody heard it. And, and they're then like, they all start emerging. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it, was it was one of those good moments, especially just seconds before that. Is this going to be the character sacrifice that we're going to see? Captain America's shield is shredded. He's is done. He's over. Oh, wait. And so it was just, yep. it was from yin to yang. A couple other things uh, related to the movie. First of all, I liked how quickly they wrapped up the... Tony Stark, Steve Rogers beef. Yep. It had been about three movies. It had been through two full movies, Civil War and and uh, Infinity War. Their ideologies had put them at odds, and they had been in different places in Infinity War. I was glad that in Endgame, they, they wrapped up the beef early. It was still there early on, the resentment, uh, just the difference of opinion on how to do things. But they found a point to finally put it past them. I but liked like, that because like, I think one of people wanted them to team up and work together, and they got to with going back in time and leading the team to to bring everybody back. I like that they finished the beef early so that they could work together for this movie. You know, like a lot of good friendships, you know, something's going to come up at some point. But at some point, the friendship is bigger than that. You need to move on, and if you do it like people do. Yeah, you shake hands on it. You're like, you know, we're done with this. Was Nebula the most compelling character across Infinity War and Endgame in terms of her story arc? Because she went through quite a transformation here. She did, but I don't know about if I'd say the most compelling character. A compelling character, yeah, but she was... Maybe the most surprise compelling character. Yeah, I wouldn't call her a background character, but she's certainly not the focus character either. She's kind of in the middle ground, a B-level, whatever you want to call it. Uh, goes from you know pretty much totally evil to pretty much totally not. Uh, that's an arc, you know. Because but, she realized what Gamora realized about their father that that Thanos was evil. Yeah, like all he was going to do. I would call her a key 
character. Yes. You know, her development proves to unlock certain things, whether it's... Even while undermining others. Yeah. In her past form. She kind of permits Thanos in the past to figure out what's happened in the future, basically essentially bringing Thanos back into the, the current realm. She allows, you know, the evolution of Gamora. She's a key. She un- she's she. Her purpose is to unlock the next thing, whatever that is. So you can't have a key just be this. Oh, you have to have a reason for it. So it has its own thing, and then ultimately the purpose is served. And once it is, you don't see that much of Nebula after the key is unlocked, so to speak. But I mean, served a very vital function and was well performed too. Thank goodness for the squirrel that brought Scott Lang back. <laughs> Five years later, he comes he comes out of that that van, comes back, and boy, that was that was jarring watching him try to figure everything out. And then he he realizes his daughter <laughs> did not did not get um, caught up with everybody else in, in disappearing, and she's aged. I mean, that was quite a moment early in the movie when they when he had that realization. Well they have, you know, between meeting your daughter or not meeting your daughter but seeing your daughter again knowing she's alive and that she's fine and he has no idea what's happened anyway and meeting your father with Tony and Howard Stark um pardon me, I got frogs in my throat this morning. Um there's a lot of moments like that. There's a lot of poignant moments for a lot of those characters all um, throughout all throughout all of it. And, um, you know, even some of the technology, like the de-aging. You saw Michael Douglas de-aged from the 70s version. Um, you saw Howard Stark, you know, aged a little differently as well. Because you see him as a young man. You see him as an old man. Now you kind of see him somewhere in the middle. Um, it, it, it worked. You know, you get all these characters. I mean, I, I, I want to kind of repeat myself. But, wow, everything, every thread there was not one thread that went off the reservation. They all were woven in to some degree into this tapestry. Nothing was left dangling. Thor's transformation from the God of Thunder and, and a regal king into just some dude who wants to hang out with the Guardians of the Galaxy is complete. What, a, what an odd character turn for him. He's given off the keys to the uh, to the new Asgard on, on a Scottish coast to Valkyrie, and now he's off to fly around in space with the Guardians. It only feels fitting, I think, with how his character has changed. I personally liked his arc the best, particularly the turn in, in this. After losing everything, you know, you don't just you don't just survive it. You kind of evolve to some degree. And he I mean, and for one thing, Chris Hemsworth is well known for having a chiseled Greek god bod anyway, and now he's completely let it go and looks like some surfer bum, looks like Jeff Lebowski, and they make a reference to it. But he's, you know, I think it was a much more comedic turn that he's a gifted comedic actor. He can do some good drama, but he's got good comedy chops. And, uh, you know, whether you see him in the, the reboot of Ghostbusters or you see him in, um, was it Where the Millers? Is that what it was? Or Vacation? One of those where he was the, the oh, it was Vacation. Anyway. They give him dreadlocks. They give him glasses. They oh, give him yeah. a gut. Yeah. And they, and he finally comes kind of around back circle toward the end and he's old Thor, so to speak. Um, but then at the end decides, you know, that, that isn't for me. I've done what I needed to do and I'm going to become whoever I'm going to become rather than who I'm supposed to become. And there's something his to be interaction said. with his mother was a big part of that too. It carried weight with me, um, having lost mine, and um, that that was a poignant moment, not just for the movie, but for a lot of people watching it also. And but there's also the message of I'm going to become who I'm going to become, and not who I'm supposed to become, and kind of getting permission from his mom also, and letting that go. And that's something that's I think important to a lot of us. 
you know, if, particularly in certain age groups where you're kind of in that trend, if you're in your twenties, let's say you're in a big transitional phase, you've had your first 18 years with mom and dad, and now you're either off to college or out of the house or whatever yeah. the case. And well, I'm supposed to be this and I'm going for that. But life, my favorite quote in the world is from John Lennon. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And maybe that's a good message to take. There's a lot of positive messages from that. Even getting a surprise visit from Natalie Portman in a real small thing. So Jane yeah. is back real quick. And I mean, it's, like I said, every little thread weaves into this. And that was really good. I don't know what it cost to get her in, but it was worth it. Yeah, and past you know, threads to set up the present. Yeah, yeah, they don't get back together. In fact, he avoids her at all costs. But I mean, there's a point to it. And it just, it, it, yeah, I really liked his journey in that he really went kind of the opposite from what anyone thought he would do yeah that said that says it really well yeah that he went the opposite direction and yet like everybody else he went back in time and found found his own threads to just kind of make forge a new pathway forward and it, it was cool how it, it continued to help bring the story full circle for so many of these characters in so many different ways. Yeah, it, you know, geez. I, I, I think I will surrender my comment here because I'm just feeling the natural urge to go back and compliment what a great wrap-up it was. So I've said yeah. that seven times maybe now, so I'll forego my comment. But it's it's a truthful comment. So. Yeah. All right, let's... Should we transition to where we go now? Yes, let's talk future as we start to wrap things up here. So... You referenced and and I pulled it up a, a good article from Dark Horizons uh, talking, which is a, give, I'll give him a big shout. I love Dark Horizons, Garth Franklin, and uh, out of Australia, great movie website by the way. Yeah, they they keep up with a lot on there, and they've got a great article discussing the film star salaries and and what may come next as a result for the Avengers. This was just posted yesterday. So we talk about you know this is not an ending; it's a turning of the corner. Well, some of that means it is going to be an ending for some aspects of it. Not everyone's going to make the trip around the corner. Uh, most likely, Robert Downey Jr. is probably done. He's not coming back as Tony Stark, most likely. But you never know. They got Sean Connery back as James Bond after saying he'd never do it again. So you never know. Don't don't write it officially on the wall. With something like yeah, this, things never, can happen. Never say never again. But that is the plan. And even there were some character deaths that happened in uh, Infinity War that were intended to be final. But then they decided, well, maybe. And I have a feeling that's where Zoe Saldana's you know, Gamora character comes back. Yep, because I think there's going to be a search for Gamora movie on the way here shortly. But here's Why? What... She's back. Well, they're searching for her. That's what. That's even what Star-Lord was doing there yeah. as they were on the ship. But here, let, let's start outside of the movies themselves in the real world when discussing what may be to come. So... As you mentioned, Black Widow filming will begin in June. Scarlett Johansson is reportedly earning $20 million or thereabouts and good. to star and produce in that movie. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans talking about Thor and Captain America. They, they signed on for five movies, and then there was a renegotiation for Infinity War and Endgame to bump up their salaries. And according to Hemsworth's deal... It includes the next phase of films. Yeah, so as well. he, he may be a, he may be one to take that corner. And this is a good quick real quick sidebar worth bringing up is the cast salaries. This movie we mentioned the first weekend one point two billion dollars worldwide. You had some of these stars like Robert Downey Jr. in particular making respectable money as well. He should for movies that are pulling in this kind of money. Meanwhile, especially early on, you had some people playing these parts for peanuts, and that's something that's coming up here lately. 
not just you know gender inequality, but I mean caste inequality. You've got people that are helping to carry this this whole thing, carrying about as much load as Robert Downey Jr. would, but they're just not getting the pay. And it's not so much about you know what star is commanding salaries anymore. It's now about the franchises. If you're carrying this franchise to the point you've got your own movie on this and you're an A-tier Avenger, then you deserve this. Now, Black Widow hasn't had her own movie yet by default, but she's been in like half of them pretty much. She's been in all the Avengers movies. She's been in Iron Man and Captain America. a part of the equation to this point, but has not been the central character, although she has a huge role in some ways, but, but now she's getting her own central character movie so a while back there was the talk that robert downey jr and this was a really cool move on his part kind of held up the producers for a lot more money not just for him but for his co-stars as well said if you don't start paying these people what they're earning based on what they're earning for you this is done now and i'm walking and they finally had to give in and that's good i like that and the fact that now people are starting to get their pay bump when this is pulling in billions of dollars literally not just this one movie but all 20-some million, this gets crazy. So you better pay these people what they're doing for you rather than the Don Igers of the world walking away with all the money. So that's a nice thing, and it's nice that people are getting their own spotlight. Now you got Black Widow, and now she's getting the payday she deserves. Let's focus. End, end of sidebar. Yeah, good sidebar, though, because it's a big piece of what is to come for who's going to stay on board. That includes with Disney Plus, the new TV yep. streaming service that is going to be up now that it, that Marvel is going to November. funnel. Yeah, that Marvel is going to funnel a lot of content through. And it's through that that we are going to be seeing Scarlet Witch. And they're calling it WandaVision because her, she is Wanda, Scarlet Witch. Uh, that's her, her character's name. Um She's going to be teaming up with Vision, who apparently in some way, shape, or form is going to come back. Is she going to reassemble him but, in some way? But again, or will it be back in time? Again, or will it just be they're back together? Well, didn't he die? Doesn't matter. Here's the new story. You know, because there is a story with those guys. Maybe this is the cracks in between, like a Rogue One kind of thing. Maybe. This is a crack that takes place in between the Avengers movies or whatever. You, at this point, you prior just don't know. Prior to Infinity War, because they had clearly teamed up quite a bit prior to that. So yeah. maybe it'll be that. Could We've be. also got Falcon and the Winter Soldier teaming up with each other, uh, Bucky Barnes, and teaming up with Sam, who is now essentially Captain America. So yeah. wh- who, what place will that have in the timeline? We'll find out. Hawkeye, of course, is also going to be on Disney Plus as well. Is he going to do some sort of search for Spock and a search for, uh, search for Natasha Romanoff? Who knows? But... There's going to be TV stuff that will be going on involving all of them. Back to the movie side. Chadwick Boseman and Benedict Cumberbatch, they reportedly have another option apiece for another movie. So, And Black Panther, after the success that it had, would not be shocked in the slightest to see no, a sequel there. Ex- expect it. Doctor Strange will be back because he's yeah. got another option. Or at least he'll show up in somebody else's movie. That At least that. Yes. And the Guardians of the Galaxy, those stars are all expected back for a third film. I think we can assume now that Thor is in the mix with them as Good he is chance. hanging out on the ship with them. Um, they're t- it looks like 2020 is when the shoot is going to get underway for that. James Gunn will be back as director, so there will be a bit of a buffer period. And as you mentioned, Spider-Man has got um, another one coming up far from home this summer is going to be on the way, and that is going to wrap Techni- up this phase. Uh, technically, I think there'll be some fallout from you know Endgame, but it, uh, it to me it feels like it's going to be more of you know the start of Phase Four. I, I, officially, it's the end of Phase 3, but yeah, whatever you want to call it, it'll be an epilogue or whatever. But I mean, after Spider-Man, which is just in a couple months, 
there's a big breath because they haven't filmed anything yet after that. Um, except I think the first one that'll go in front of cameras is the Black Widow movie, and that starts filming in a month. It'll take about a year for it to come out. So you're pretty much, let's just say, 4th of July weekend to 4th of July weekend 2020 could be about a year before between any kind of a Marvel movie, which will be quite a break. They've had at least two a year, sometimes more. Maybe not the worst thing in the world to have a break. No, Unless you want to capitalize on momentum, but... I think people are kind of looking at this as they need a, a break. good time to breathe. I need a cigarette. Oh. So everyone can kind of get a breath. We're kind of looking ahead to the schedule. There are a lot of untitled projects that are out there floating around, is, is what a lot of people have said. But it's not the worst time in the world to have a breath and to take a break because we're all kind of taking in what we've seen as far as the conclusion to this point. There will be more movies to come, I'm sure. There are, I'm sure, plans when it comes to Captain Marvel. There was a lot at the end of that movie that was out there for potential storytelling with her with her story and with her character. What else is going to be to come? Uh, what other kind of sidebars might they be able to get into with the new Avengers and what this group is going to look like from here on? There's There's a lot of possible threads of where it could go. But now the challenge for Marvel is you've been so successful with these phases and with this major story with the original Avengers that you've put together, what will be the plan next and where will it go next? And And will audiences follow next? Yes. But right now, like I said earlier, I think (sighs) when it comes to what we are seeing here at the end of this phase, I think it's worth just kind of reveling in and enjoying the conclusion that we got here with Endgame, the conclusion of the Thanos and the Infinity war and infinity stones story because it was a great conclusion and it was an entertaining conclusion and it it pieced together so many things brilliantly as we discussed all throughout this episode with all the things that were that were tied off so exceptionally well you know i kind of equate this to the summer between high school and college look forward to college absolutely yes but you're reminiscing about a great 12 years through your public education system and all this with all your buddies. And remember that time? Oh, gosh, that was great. That time that we, you know, you haven't had those next times yet. So you've got a little bit of a break in between the one thing to the next thing. It's the summer with really no responsibility. You're not a high school student anymore, but you're not yet a college student. You're The, the Marvel thing is done for now. You know, it's going to come back. We're going to get a little uh, hold me over with Spidey coming up in a couple months. But other than that, it's a it's a waiting period until the next thing begins, and then well, what's it going to be? What's it going to be like? You got questions, but you don't have answers, and you know you had a whole lot of answers finally come through the door, and uh, I, you know that also kind of relates to another real quick sidebar shout out with the way they did the trailers for this. They were really quiet about things, a yeah. lot of imagery, no story given away whatsoever, and that's a. We brought that up before, issues with trailers that give away things. There was not one plot point, nothing. There was talk about these guys in the new Avengers suits. Well, they look like astronaut suits. They must be going into space. Well, not, yeah, not really. They're time travel suits. You know, no one saw that one coming, you know. And that was good, and that's a great way to do it. So to have those questions answered was great. So now there will be a whole new set of questions to set up and where we're going to go. We'll get there. It's it's nice to revel in what a great 11-year story. This has been a great character arcs with great satisfaction. I haven't heard from anybody that said, eh, 
Unless they got dragged to it and they had not seen any of the movies, they didn't really care. That's a whole other thing. But people that have been involved in this and watched this, okay, I can't wait to really see what will be actually be the end. I didn't like it. Haven't heard that yet. Not once. Yeah, and the emotional hit. That's especially what, oh, what yeah. got people. And and they found a way to do that well. And and again, to wrap up some arcs in in the fitting way, whether it was Tony Stark or or Captain America, Steve Rogers, you know, or what happened with Black Widow and Hawkeye. And they they found ways to finish out arcs with characters who were pretty much done in a great way while leaving threads available for others that will move forward. Two for 2020, uh, untitled, that are scheduled. Three for 2021, three for 2022. That's the plan it looks like for the MCU is what I'm reading here. So it'll be a break and starting, Let's. I think it's probably safe to say somewhere around April, May of 2020, something's going to be coming out. Maybe that'll be the Black Widow one. Stay tuned. Um, it'll be interesting. But it'll be also be interesting to see with Marvel taking a brief step back and with a new Wonder Woman coming out, how will DC perhaps respond to this Marvel thing? Will they finally get their act together? Is this the time for them to strike, or has the uh, have they had their moment and the moment has passed? Maybe Wonder Woman will do well, but you know, other than the Dark Knight trilogy, Batman hasn't quite lived up to it. Superman hasn't quite lived up to it. There's growing talk now about a Man of Steel 2 finally coming around with another Superman. Um, stay tuned. You know, and that, the whole thing with the whole bubble bursting with superheroes, that's not just Marvel. That's everybody. You know, Shazam did pretty good, and that was a different kind of a superhero movie. But yep. it'll be interesting to see what the appetite is going to be. But it's nice to see that it's back. Yeah, we'll see what the appetite looks like. And again, it's nice to see that you get some finality and some closure that that comes in the way that it did with the way that this movie finished. And if you've seen it once, it might be worth going to see again. I'm planning to go see it again here I'm, at some point. I'll probably make my way back at some point. Yeah. But it, I still have It's that good. Yeah. And it, it's so much to take in. And like you said, with a three-hour runtime... They kept you so engaged all throughout, and even where they had the emotional feel like moments that were in there, they paved the way for what was to come, and, and the the search for the stones was really well done then, too, and, and finding a way to fit that in. Yeah, there was there was no downtime, and even when there wasn't something majestic happening, it was exposition that was what greatly needed for a character arc, and it didn't feel like it was, you know, explaining the plot just to try to, you know, move things forward, setting up what's going to come. It was some sort of a payoff. There was always something happening, even if there wasn't much for action. And there was large chunks of the movie without any action. But, but there was so much anticipation as to what was going to happen to so-and-so and such-and-such. And now it's happening, even if it's just a calm talk on a porch. But then when the action did come, oh, wow. it, was, it was spectacular with that battle and, and, well, essentially the war that happened then and... Captain Marvel coming in and blasting a ship apart when when she came through there. Let's give a shout out to that too. So many times you'll see action scenes that are too confusing to follow. Even Game of Thrones was a great battle scene, but most of it was in the dark and you couldn't really see much. Sometimes it's shaky cam. Sometimes you don't focus long enough on a particular element to even have it register on anything other than the the subconscious. The way that the big ending was shot with that many characters, and not just the, the amount of battle, you know, soldiers on the field, but those that had names and faces and stories you'd followed, you actually got to see little moments from them that registered. It was well shot. And that, I mean, there's so much praise to heap on this movie, the, the, the way the story was told, the way it was shot, the way that everyone got a focus, and it wasn't shaky camera. You lost focus of everything because there was so much balls in the air. It's about skill. 
Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Thanks Go again. there tonight. Go see yeah. the Avengers Endgame. There is Go great see it staff. Again. Yeah. yeah, thanks again to the Bemidji Theater for being the sponsor of this podcast. We love doing this podcast. We, we love that we got to come in on short notice to get to put an episode together here and talk about Endgame. We, Dave and I were just chomping at the bit to be able to get in here and record this because we know there are people who want to talk about Endgame or hear talk about Endgame and just kind of recap things a little while also speculating on what's to come. So that's what we're here for. Now, coming up, I can say what our next episode of, yep. of the podcast is going to be about. And this this is a Dave Brooks vehicle in particular is what this one will be in well, we our have, next episode. Well, we have two, actually. I think the next one, since that'll probably come up in about mid-May, it's going to be just a couple of weeks before the summer season. We ought to do that summer preview because that's coming up here quick. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll overlap a little with Memorial Weekend, but uh, we've already covered that with the spring preview. Um, but we've also got another one that I think we were starting to allude to that is my vehicle is Star Trek. Yes. Big Trekkie fan. So look for that coming up. We're going to talk Star Trek. There will be some TV talk in there as well in addition to the movies. You have to do it because there's so much... This, uh, the majority of that thing, you know, so Star Trek's an iceberg. The top that you see are the movies. There's so much under the water and a whole lot behind the scenes, but that's just teaser, you know, the whole Viacom-Paramount split, that CBS, and that's a big, big part of it that's still in play. Maybe no franchise has been more intertwined between the movies and television than Star Trek, and it was the first one to really do that to the extent that it did. I, I mean, we talked about Marvel here quite a bit today, and They've done a bit of that, but not in the same interwoven storytelling way that you really see with Star Trek. Yeah, so we're going to get to that in the summer movie preview season. Uh, just real quick, and I'm throwing this to you from out of the blue. Um, summer 2019, any particular one title that you're really looking for? I would probably myself jump to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I am Tarantino. really intrigued by that movie. I I didn't I, like the teaser that much, but I mean, I, I like... Oh, the I idea was, of the story. I was entertained by the teaser. At least musically, I was entertained. And even just with the overall feel, plus, plus getting a, a Bruce Lee impersonation in there, too, which was, which was entertaining. But I'm incredibly intrigued by that movie. As far as other movies for the summer, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm not as really... I, I, I've got to go see one particular movie this summer. I don't think there's any movie that I'm really like... I'm. I really, really want to go see this. I'll tell you one thing. I've got a little toddler at home, and we're starting to teach him about movies a little bit. We had a movie. We've been to one actual movie at the theater with me. We went and saw Wonder Park. And then we had movie night at the house where we really kind of did it special for him. We showed him the first Toy Story movie. He really liked it. So they have Toy Story 4 coming out. And so we might watch you know, 2 and 3 and then work our way up to when the release for Toy Story 4 and take him to see the next one at the theater. So we're trying to make a movie fan out of this little man. Um, are you not optimistic? Because I'm, I'm seeing this look like you either need to go to the bathroom Why? real quick or... Why? That's, we'll we'll discuss this at a later time. Why did you have to go do Toy Story four? Because three was a great ending. Uh, from what uh, from what I'm hearing, ending. Oh, I can't I can't really speak on it because we haven't seen the fourth one yet. But from what I'm hearing, from those that have knowledge, like Tom Hanks and uh, Tim Allen, this is a really good ending. Is what they're saying. They're like, I yeah, this I, is an ending. Well, that's what they're saying. You know, they they were saying I had the same thoughts. I was, why would we go on and do another one? Then I saw the script and we did the voices and. It's a great story and a great ending. You know, it's, I can't say any more. But it, so, and I mean, I don't know because I haven't seen it, and it's still pretty well under wraps. But 
I reserve judgment. I, I agree with what you're saying, but that was a great ending. Now, here's a really great ending. And if they do deliver All right. the way that endgame, I reserve judgment. So stay tuned when we get to uh, June 21st. Is that when it's coming out? Late June, I think. Wow. Um, okay. I'll reserve judgment. Fourth I'll, of July, we'll know. I'll hold off then. But okay. anyway, we'll discuss that at a later time. So there's our preview of what is yet to come. Summer preview and Star Trek. Yeah, very good. Thank you for joining us today to chat Endgame. And we will see you at the movies. 